Hello and welcome to Between the Lines, the podcast that introduces you to some of Canada's lesser-known authors and writers who have either yet to begin or have just begun to make their mark on the writing world. In this season, our third, we will focus solely on Canadian poets and their poetry. Some of my guests have already been published, either self or traditionally, while others have yet to take that plunge. I think it is not only important to give each and every one of them an equal opportunity to be discovered, but to be heard as well. I'm your host, Randy Lacey, and I invite you to join me Between the Lines. Hello and welcome to Between the Lines. On today's show, I will be speaking with Jennifer Cox. Can I call you Jen? Yep, perfect. Excellent. Okay, Jennifer Cox. Hello, Jennifer and or Jen, and welcome to Between the Lines. Hello. <laughs> uh, before we get into <laughs> the nitty gritty of the interview, um, I, I wonder if you wouldn't mind giving the listeners a brief um, rundown about who Jen Cox is and what makes her Jen Cox. All right. Um, I'm Jen Cox. Uh, I am a poet and I'm a lawyer and I'm a mother and a wife. I live in Ottawa with my family and have two very small children. I have two kids under four, Hmm. which is always exciting. Um, I'm relatively new to publishing my poetry and I'm super excited to talk about that today. Um, when I'm not writing poetry or, or wrestling two small children, um, I'm, I'm, I practice law and I've been doing it for about six years. And over those six years, I have often joked that lawyers are just gainfully employed writers, or at least me as a lawyer is just a gain, gainfully employed writer. <laughs> and um, I know every lawyer is different, but for me, writing has always been one of my favorite parts of being a lawyer and a part I've always been very good at. Um, and people don't usually think of practicing law as a creative pursuit, but there's actually a ton of creativity uh, when you're trying to get a particular outcome based on whatever you put on paper. And that's what I do. In, in the first few years of my career, I was, a, I was a litigator, and which is essentially just storytelling with a particular outcome in mind. And you're trying to tell a better story than, than whoever's on the other side of litigation. And primarily, the way you really build your argument is through writing and through your, what they call pleadings. And then about four years ago, I switched and now I'm, I'm in-house and I primarily do corporate commercial contracts. And I was a little bit worried I'd lose a lot of this writing um, that I really liked about litigation, but honestly, it's just a different, now I draft contracts all the time and, um, and it's just a different side of writing. It's a little more formulaic in a lot of ways, but it again, like still requires a lot of practicality and a lot of creativity to be like, we both want this, this, this end you want, you are arguing over this language. I'm arguing over this language here. Here's my new proposal to make everything work. And here's how I'm going to, um, to s- switch around these words where you can accept it and I can accept it. And it, I, I talk a lot about strategic ambiguity in my, in my legal life, but really it's just playing with words all the time. Um, and, it, and who doesn't love that? Who doesn't love that? Yeah. Um, and it, my particular job really demonstrates in like an extremely practical sense, the importance of just putting words on paper mm. and how much just having words on paper is so much better than not having anything on paper because you can't think of the right thing. And um, and I think about that a lot when I'm writing a poem, just like put something on, on paper. You can always fix the poem later. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And then as I was a kid, I actually wanted to be a writer. And then I moved away from that as I got older um, for a variety of reasons. And then only kind of recently after I had kids, did I move back to to writing poetry and doing like more creative things with my writing. So, that's, yeah, that's. That's a pretty good nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> um, have you ever been tempted to take what you work at as your job and mm-hmm. integrate it into your writing, your poetry and stuff, or yes. you do that legally? <laughs> I can, yeah. Um, I can't like, you know, disclose confidential information, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, sometimes I do. Um, you know, it doesn't, I, I do in like 
smaller ways a lot. I don't, I don't write about law that often. Okay. <laughs> Probably because I write about law all day. Um, but, but yeah, I definitely, I definitely, as I'm like writing a contract, sometimes I'm like, Ooh, that's a really good, like really good use of words. And then I'll, I'll translate that into uh, a poem. Cool. Very cool. Well, thank you for that. Um, normally at this juncture, uh, I would jump right into the question, excuse me, question period portion of, uh, the, uh, the, the show, but, this season, season three, we are focusing on Canadian poets and their poetry. So I think now would be a good time and a good opportunity um, to head straight into that and offer you the opportunity to read a poem for us. Do you have one ready? I do. Excellent. Um, right. And this one is called Neighbors, and it was published in uh, the League of Canadian Poets uh, Poetry Pause last year. The neighbors have a beautiful home, big windows, nice cars, two children and a dog. We've only met a few times, said hello over the fence, but I know. 9.30, Tuesday mornings, they tryst in their bedroom. One set of legs curl and arch under the other. Curtains open, the southern sun and I peek in for a better look. In the early evening, he undresses. First displays an early moonrise, then turns his front side to the new stars, rising. His lit room invites in the darkness a spotlight to focus the audience. I do not know if the neighbors know that I know what I know, but I do know they watch me do yoga each Friday in my living room. I wonder, do they want to join? <laughs> so that's neighbors. That, um, that's an interesting perspective. <laughs> now, is that based on reality or? <laughs> Isn't everything? Um, yeah, I guess to um, some degree. You know, I actually, I find I do my best writing with a, a inspiration from, from reality, leaning into other things, leaning to fiction, you know, like, uh, like building a story off of something that's not entirely true. Mm -hmm. Well, so, writers are, are just basically, um, well, I was going to say paid liars, but not all of us get, <laughs> not, not all of us get paid. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But I mean, we're, we're fabricators of, of, of things and, and situations. Yeah. I often think of a, there's a Farley Mowat quote that says, I never let facts get in the way of the truth. Yeah. And I think about that a lot with my writing. So I, I guess that, that's, that's the truth here. It's maybe not factual, but um, certainly takes some inspiration from, from real life. And I've actually heard that quote used in so many TV shows and movies. <laughs> It's unbelievable, but it's true. It's great one. Very true. And I, after I had this published, uh, I sent this to my one of my good friends. She said, well, everyone has a naked neighbor. She's like, either you are the naked neighbor or you have a naked neighbor. So. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? Today, I'm <laughs> glad I'm visually impaired. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that's, uh, so how long did it take you to write that poem? Was it? Like, not, not very long, actually. That one, that one kind of came to me. I mean, I, I, I the whole poem kind of came to me um, relatively quickly. Mm -hmm. And then I finessed it over a course of maybe two or three weeks. And then that one was done. Okay. So um, now <laughs> uh, I'll probably edit this part out, but <laughs> <laughs> um, I, uh, I, I took a course through the Hadley school for the blind mm -hmm. and visually impaired. And it was called elements of poetry. And my oh, instructor, she was like in her 70s, a well-published uh, American poet. And um, she, during the assignments, she said, now go back and find one of your older poems and edit it. And I went, mm. what? You edit poetry? <laughs> I always, no, I always believed. And, you know, um, I always believed that once it came out, that's the way mm. it was meant to be. Interesting. That's cool. And I, I found one, I went back and not only did I edit it, but I trimmed it down and it became a much better poem, but I still like the original as well. Yeah. So, but yeah, so I, I was learning all kinds of things. I mean, I'd been out of school for 30 years, so I had to pick an easy thing and I knew how to write poetry. Uh, that yeah. doesn't mean I was good at it or anything, but, <laughs> <laughs> and I still say the same thing. Um, let's get right into question period, right. if you don't mind. Yeah. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Uh, when you write, 
do you stick to a certain topic, uh, love, nature, death, or do you just write whatever comes out? I, I don't intentionally stick to certain topics, but the same topics tend to come out over and over again. I just kind of, I, I do lean into whatever comes out, but the whatever comes out tends to be the same thing. Um, and part of that is, is how I factor in writing because I have, like I said, a full-time job. I have two kids and I write between typically between nine and 10 PM. And so it's whatever is kind of present at nine PM, nine to 10 PM. And usually that's something within the domestic life because that's kind of what I've been, what I've been in. And, you know, that last poem was an element of domestic life. Mm-hmm. Um, I, but often I, I, my poems end up being about parenting or, um, or about marriage or about birth or something kind of in those realms. But, um, but I write about other things as well. Sometimes I, I write about, um, a, a voyeuristic poem about my neighbors and sometimes I write <laughs> Have about, you showed it to them? Uh, no, like I said, it, it's like, uh, in, in, in certain, it doesn't necessarily be my neighbors, but, um, but yes, no, I, no, th- those are not, I'm not going to release more because I'll give too much away about the poem, but, um, but yeah, that's, I think, I think the times that I dedicate to writing, um, I affect topics and also I find what I'm reading affects it. So like, if I'm, if I'm, you know, reading about one particular topic, it ends up inspiring some poetry on the same thing. Or you hear a song or yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm very guilty of that. And, uh, you know, to all the artists that I've been inspired by, thank you, but you're not. Getting <laughs> <it>. <laughs> um, yeah. There's a, there's a quote that's out there. Every writer has heard it. Uh, and I don't necessarily believe it to the full degree that I should, but it says, write what you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so basically that's what you're doing is writing what you know. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What if you don't know anything? <laughs> it's hard because if you don't know anything, I mean, I guess you can write about not knowing anything or you can write about the extent of what you do know. Right. You can't. So you, if you're think a about, high school dropout or. Yeah you know, a street person, you don't really know a lot. You've experienced life. I guess that's basically all, you know. Oh, but you know so much like, no, there's no one who doesn't know anything. Like, Hmm. yes, if you're, if you're a high school dropout, it might be hard to hard to write about quantum physics. Certainly. Um, You know, it's probably not going to be your material, but there's so much life in there. Right. Like people do everything in their lives. Let's say, you know, you drop out of school and you go work in a factory for 10 years or you drop out of school and you're on the streets, like, you know, doing drugs for 10 years. And then like, in, I, thir- okay. like, you know, that's, there's so much in that. Mm-hmm. Everyone has something to write about. No, good point. Good point. I, I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm a lawyer. I did a ton of education, but I mostly write about children. <laughs> Well, you said earlier that you you work a full time job and you're a yeah. mom and you're a wife, but technically you really have three jobs. You you work your nine to five or whatever hours that lawyers keep. You come yeah. home, you you work with your kids, and you work with your husband. Yeah. So there's yeah. three jobs. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I do not envy you. <laughs> um, question number two: uh, Who is your favorite poet and why? Mm. I don't, I don't have one favorite. I have, I have poets I really love. I'm a really big fan of Kate Bear and okay. she has a lot of stuff, but what I really, I really liked her, what kind of woman. Mm-hmm. I just so succinct and so to the point. I also just read, and I'm really sorry if I say this name wrong, but, um, uh, Anik McCaskill's Shadow Light, um, which is phenomenal. Oh my God. It was one of the best, po- I read a lot of poetry and it was one of the best poetry books I've read in a really long time. Um, I love Anne Carson. I love, I love Pablo Neruda. I love Robert Service. Those are poets. Yeah, I can now read. you're burking up my tree. <laughs> <laughs> Those are poets I can read again and again and again. And I also recently read J.R.R. Tolkien's poetry, which is mm-hmm. kind of like in verse or, or sorry, in universe. Um, 
like Lord of the Rings poetry. And it's so good. Mm -hmm. It's so, it's like, it's just, he, the way he plays with the rhythm and story is, is excellent. I, so I'm those not are, gonna argue with you. <laughs> <laughs> so those are those are um those are ones that I, I would say right now are really um really speaking to me. Is there any one poem from one of those that, that really strikes you or, or is is uh something that you just can't let go of? Um the cremation of Sam McGee. I Sometimes I have many times memorized it. It's one of the few poems I have memorized. And then sometimes I'll forget it. And I'll be like, oh my God, I got to look it up again. How have I forgotten it? The very first um, poem I ever heard. Yeah, really? It's grade five. It's St. George's one. Elementary School in Ottawa. <laughs> it's just so, it's, he's so good. Like just the way, again, with same with J.R.R. Tolkien, the storytelling and the rhythms and really gets you excited. And that, and that, you know, I can't remember if it's the last stanza or one of them where, where, you know, they open the, the furnace door and there's Sam with his smile. I think you could see a mile. I can't remember the exact lines right now, but I just, it's so good. Well, outside of the, the opening stanza of that poem, mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. one line in particular that I've kind of made my own personal mantra. Oh yeah. Well, and that's a, a promise made is a debt unpaid. Mm, yeah. And that has stuck with me since grade five in 1976. So that's a good one. <laughs> that's a long time ago. My goodness. Yes, yeah. I'm old, folks. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, well, yeah. Um, when you when you first started writing poetry, uh, were yeah. you the show it to everybody kind of writer or did you like keep it to yourself? This is mine. Um, when, when I, as a, as a kid or as a, as a, as like a teenager, I actually used to do a ton of creative writing. I would write these stories and these poems and these everything. And I was really protective and secretive about it. But when I came back to it as an, like, you know, as an adult after having kids, I was like, Hey, everyone, I wrote this poem, read it. Tell the truth. And part of it, part of it was because, like I said, I write all day, every day for my work and I've always found that it's made better by people reading it. It's always made better. Um, if not, even if you don't change it, you like hear a different perspective and you think about it differently. Um, but also I think because the stakes were lower, like it wasn't so wrapped up in like, oh, this I'm revealing parts of myself. It was just a creative pursuit. But um, yeah, I, 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 I don't show people until I think it's ready to be shown. Like I, I don't do a lot of like early works in progress with, with people. Really? Um, yeah. I, I kind of wait till I think it's like a finished product and that doesn't mean it is a finished product. Usually it means usually it's not. Um, but, but it's closer than, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like I, I present like a coherent thing to, you know, for other people to read and look at. Um, so yeah, that's, but, oh. but I, but I don't, but I don't, I'm not too like secretive about it. I just mostly don't want to like waste people's time. And I also find the feedback isn't that great. Really? If it's not, if it's also. not, um, like if you present like a, like a, a good stanza or a couple lines, people are like, oh, you could go this direction or this direction or this direction, as opposed to if you have like a whole poem and you present and like you show it to people and say, what do you think of this? Um, then people can really say, they can look at it as a whole and they see what a whole vision in one go and they can say, it doesn't need it or, you're almost there. Or, oh, I love it. Like, it's just kind of an easier thing to provide feedback on. Okay. A lot of people that I've talked to, um, especially who write poetry, um, they say that they start to write poetry as a way of releasing, you know, whatever's inside. It's just, a, it's a way to get mm-hmm. it out and it's yeah. never meant for other eyes, but then mm-hmm. somewhere along the line, somebody got a hold of it and read it by accident and went, <laughs> why aren't you sharing this? This is so pertinent to everybody's life. And, <laughs> and you know, does that ever happen? Has that ever happened? Or, or did that ever happen when you were, you know, first starting? I think so. No, I, 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 I'm trying to, you know, it, it did happen again. Like I, I kind of see like two parts. There was like when I was a teenager and really into creative writing. And then there's kind of more recently when I've come back to it, when I was a teenager, that happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, now it doesn't because I'm like, 
I'm like, hey, I want to share with everybody. Like, it's just, it's just so much more. Oh, she's got another poem. Here we go. Yeah. My husband's <laughs> like, all right, the only one you've got today. I am um, sure everybody in my writing group is tired of me posting <laughs> my poetry. Hey, look what I wrote this morning. <laughs> yeah. But I do get feedback from, especially friends who are like, ah, oh, I love it when you post your poetry. Like, I, I can't wait to hear more. Um, so that's like, um, uh, you know, things like that, which I always really enjoy. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, question number four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll go to question number four first. Um, is poetry dying or do you think there's enough interest still to continue writing it? I don't think it's dying at all. I think I, I maybe it's just my own little, you know, bubble that I live in, but I, I see it as having a resurgence right now. Um, I'm glad you used that word. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, And when I was considering this question, what came to mind was this, is this uh, line from a poem from uh, Bertolt Brecht. And I might be butchering that name. So I apologize, but he says in the dark, in the dark times, will there also be singing? Yes. There will also be singing about the dark times. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, the past, I don't know how many years have just been wild, uh, right? With like social and political and climactic upheaval. And and I think everyone feels it. Everyone kind of feels jostled. And um, I think poetry has a huge role to play in a, in a, in a society like that, right? Um, and uh, like, honestly, I, I get so drained when I see another article about like from the Atlantic or someone, something else explaining like where we are and how we got here and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And I just, it's so exhausting. And then, but you can also have a poem that speaks to exactly what you're feeling. That is succinct and short and just perfectly encapsulates it. And you're like, yes, that's it. Um, and I find that so soothing in a, in a world that is it's in the insane world we live in. Um, Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I, and I, part of that is like these, like, I mean, I know we're going to talk about social media a little bit later, but, um, but like social media is really big on that. And there's these like really big accounts that, uh, um, you know, share poetry and have gotten really popular over the past few years. Mm-hmm. And then like these poems just get circulated on social media again and again and again. And I think that has helped people really see the value of poetry. Part of the reason for that particular question uh, in that list of questions that I sent you was um, poetry has had its heights mm-hmm. and it's had its depths. And so like yeah. the Renaissance period, poetry was at probably the highest it's ever been popular. Mm-hmm. And then it, you know, it, it, it waned and it sank. And, you know, back when I started writing poetry, it really wasn't popular. A lot of people, well, you know, I don't really read poetry. And there's, there's those little, you know, niche sections of people that do read it. But on, on whole, it had lost interest in the world, but people still wrote it. And then, of course, we know that what you brought up earlier, that other quote about dark music or dark mm-hmm. times and there's always music that realization came to me in like the late seventies where, you know what? Most lyrics are poetry set to music. So uh, there will always be poetry always, but you're right. I do think that currently right now, poetry is starting to see a resurgence uh, resurgence. I don't think it's where it's going to be, but it's certainly on the uprise. Yeah. Um, and you know, how many people do you know that, you know, for the life of them say, well, I couldn't write a poem to save my life. And, you know, I just ruined it because I got that question. Anyway, a lot of of people say that, right? I mean, I couldn't write a poem to save my life, but you know what? I think everybody can. Yeah, I think so too. And I think, I think we write poetry all the time without even thinking about it. Absolutely. And, uh, uh, you know, and you walk down the street, oh, look at that. Hey, I can write a poem about that. (laughs) That's, that's me anyway. I used to brag about that, but I'm a little older now, so it's not so quick. Um, yeah. Do you have another poem you can read for us? Yeah. Please. All right. This one is, um, all right. Uh, all right. This one is called 
on Samson by Regina Spector. And it came out in uh, Coherencia Press's Not Ghost But Spirits, Volume 1. It came out just this month. Oh. Um, all right. And your so, publisher um, was okay with this? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And this is On Samson by Regina Spector. The summer you were 20 and I 17. You partied at music festivals and drank at pubs while I got high in parks, ate peanut butter on Wonder Bread and itched to leap out of my parents' house. Years away from the other, we both listened to Samson by Regina Spector on repeat, her voice hitting a note we could not name, the song of an era you later proclaimed, how could we know? In our thirties, we'd be in Panera with my pregnant belly, pining there were no good names for boys. When the radio played Regina's song, and we knew we could name that note, Samson. His newborn hair long when we met, wet and bloody, fresh curls upon his head. Four kilos, I told him he was beautiful, his name apropos. I swore it held no, no sway, yet when his strawberry blonde locks grew past a toddler nose and called for cutting, I paused. Yellow dull scissors held low, the power they might hold. With five quick snips, we decided, in this era, there'd be no ass's jaws or collapsed columns, no tumbled temples, no honey from a lion, only Wonder Bread served with peanut butter. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Thank you. Is, um, is, is this about one of your children or? <laughs> um, uh, it, it, kind, I mean, kind of, like I said, all, all my poems are, are, are take inspiration from reality, but I, I do have a son named Samson. I had a cat named Samson. Oh yeah. You know, whenever. Named after the same character in the Bible. <laughs> exactly. I meet tons of animals named, named Samson, but I've only ever met one other human named Samson. Interesting. Yeah. But yeah, he did come out huge. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, my husband and I are not big people. We're, we're, you know, below, below average in size. And this, and he came out and he was enormous. <laughs> big, how big? I, well, he was eight pounds, 13 ounces. My youngest son was nine, five, five. Wow. Yes. I to, was, have... I was 11 pounds. Wow. No, he wasn't that big. And he <laughs> came out with this like he- head full of super long hair. And, um, and you have to understand, like, I'm five feet tall. And before I got pregnant, 110 pounds, like a very petite person. And everyone was like, oh, wow. Okay. Didn't think that baby would come out of you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but, and we were like, well, we named him Samson. So. Yeah. My, uh, my ex-wife is five foot two. Yeah. And 110 mm-hmm. pounds when we got married. She got pregnant. She gained 70 pounds through the pregnancy. Oh, 70 pounds. Oh, my God. And uh, and like I said, the baby came out nine pi- nine pounds five wow. and a half ounces, yeah. and today he's eighteen years old, six foot four, three hundred pounds. Whoa! And like I said, she's only five foot two. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> she's rather proud that she was able to push that yeah. baby out and survive. Good for her, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and my 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 oldest son, he's uh, twenty four. When he came out, he had dark, 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 long, dark hair. Mm-hmm. And all the nursing staff called him Little Elvis. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that's, uh, you, you made me think of my, my children when they were babies. So thanks for that. <laughs> You're welcome. My oldest boy is getting married next month. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. You, you mentioned that's great. Congratulations. Well, thank you. Full circle, eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, question number five. Yeah. Uh, poetry has a small market of readers. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Does social media benefit poets as a um a tool to reaching a larger uh, market and what are the pros and cons of poetry being published on social media yeah that's a that's that's a good one um i've published i have published one uh one poem on social media and 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 i also go for the con first which is the con that once it's on social, once it's been published on social media, it's very hard to get it published through through more traditional channels. Mm-hmm. So, like if you if you want to do the journals and all that, like once it's on social media, it basically can't be on any of their publications. Um, and the poem I put on social media, I knew was never going to be appropriate for publication. It's like super fun. I thought about reading it today, but I didn't. But it's a super fun 
um, like rhyming, no, what's it called? What's, I forget the name, but where it's four lines and, it, and they rhyme and um, all about how I could, failed to make coffee. Um, so, so I think social media is, is uh, um, really good for a lot of things. It's really good for sharing content that isn't maybe appropriate for, for journals or that journals don't accept and you think is really good anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and I, I, you know, it, it has enormous potential reach, right? And if you, and if you can end up on one of those sites that are reshares poetry to wider audiences, like that's awesome, right? And that's just, that's a huge benefit. Not, I mean, truly not very many poets end up there, but you can even have a much smaller um, audience who just gets excited about your poetry. Um, yeah. You know, it, it doesn't, I think it's hard to turn it into money. That's one of the big downsides is you might spend a lot of time and effort and energy, but it can be hard to turn that into pay. Well, I think the running joke is to be successful as a poet, you need to be dead. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Excuse me. Um, But yeah, if you, if you, so, you know, that's really it. I think, I think that's. um, There are exceptions to that rule though, because I think a lot of the um, publishing firms or whatever, even small press, like things like Facebook, Instagram, if you publish yeah. a poem on that, it's hard to get somebody to publish it. But apparently if it's in a blog or a personal website, mm-hmm. it's acceptable still, I think is is the rule. Or yeah, I've, rule. I've, I've seen different things. Um where it says, you know, previously published in any capacity is fine, or it says publishing on social media or your personal blog is fine, or sometimes, like you said, it's it's just like personal blog is fine. Um, But yeah, I find it's, I understand why they have that rule for Mm -hmm. copyright issues, but that's definitely a, definitely a downside. Yeah. And, and, you know, anybody, anybody listening, if you, uh, if you do want to pursue anything like that, read the rules that you're going to be mm-hmm. submitting to. It's yeah. very important to read them carefully and understand them. And I would say, if you think you have a really good poem, don't publish it on social media until you've vetted it, until you've tr- at least tried it through like the places where you want to have it published. That's it. Yeah. That's if, if you, you want to yeah. traditionally publish. Yeah, exactly. And if you don't enjoy social media and run with it. Yeah. Well, that's, that's... why I started my own writing group. <laughs> yeah, that's like, it's fantastic. Um, I think there was, um, i trying to think of, of who it was, but there was one person I was following for a while who just published all of her poetry on social media. She got a big, a big following or a decent sized following, and then she made a book. Yep. And um, oh, great for her. And I think that was fantastic. You know what? I think it, it boils down to, um, you know, what you're writing for. Yeah, exactly. Right. If you're writing for, you know, the, the fame and fortune, well, first of all, I wish you good luck. <laughs> yeah. um, Maybe don't do poetry. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> um, like my, my personally, for me, I don't really care if I make money or not. It's that's not why I write. I write at the beginning of my books. Um, I, I quote myself because I can. Mm-hmm. Um, and it says I, I do not necessarily write because I have something to say, but rather because there may be something you need to hear. Yeah, And yeah. the other thing I like to say is that, that uh, I don't write for profit. I profit from writing. That's pretty good. That's a good one. And these are things that I actually believe. It's, you know, I don't need the money. I'm, you know, I'm living off of a disability because I'm legally blind and all that sort mm-hmm. of stuff. And, uh, you know, it's it's kind of hard to get a job in a small town where I live as a yeah. meat cutter being legally blind. Yeah. You know, I was a sausage maker before I went blind. Oh my god! Yeah, so you don't want me making sausage for you unless you want a, you know, a thumb knuckle <laughs> sausage or whatever. <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying, right? But, mm-hmm. um, right. but if you're if you're if you want that notoriety, if you want that opportunity, maybe to be that poet that's gonna you know break the mold and and start making a lot of money, do what you got to do. Yeah, and there are poets who make money. Like I know I'm being like try about that but there are poets who make money like mm-hmm. i mean talk, i talk about kate bear like her, currently her book is and yet or is or was on the bestsellers list and mm-hmm. chen 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 sells tons of stuff that is 
I, or I shouldn't say tons of stuff. He, he also has things that end up like on the bestsellers list. Like there are poets who really do well. Yeah. Um, just not a super high number of them. No, no. Uh, I think the ratio is very, very poor. Um, do you ever hope to be published one day (laughs) i i I do um i I have several poems that are published individually Mm -hmm. um but i do want to be published one day i've all i've always wanted to write a book on something okay forever um and and probably that book will be a poetry book but not there yet (laughs) what would that what would that take for you to to get there um, that's a good question. Right, right now I, I have a lot of poems that kind of, um, I'm, I'm figuring out how to put them together and, and how to like adapt them to tell a narrative, to have something that's like more cohesive. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've been playing around recently with making little chat books and, and, and framing the, I haven't published a chat book, but how do these poems fit together as a chat book? How do these poems fit together as a chat book? Um, and so that's kind of where I, where I am now, and I hope to one day turn that into something that's lengthier. Nice. In uh, New Year's Eve 2014, I made a New Year's resolution for the forthcoming year. Mm-hmm. I was going to try to write at least one poem a day for mm-hmm. the entire year. Did you? Pretty lofty. No, I failed after. <laughs> I failed after 13 days. However, however, I went back and I looked at everything that I had composed and finished, and there were more poems finished than days that had elapsed. And then I thought, what what was my real goal behind this? And that was to have 365 poems at the end of the year. So I changed my parameters of my resolution and by November 21st, I had achieved that goal. That's awesome. And then uh, it, they sat for five years because it's a lot of editing for a blind guy. <laughs> <laughs> and I, in, in 2019, I published four books out of all of those poems. That's awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, awesome. you know what? If you fail at your, at your New Year's resolution, change the parameters. Mm-hmm. Don't give up. Just change yeah. the, the parameters. And it worked for me. Right. So that's my, like that. that's my encouragement to everybody, writers or whatever you do. Yeah. Um, I love that. Yeah. You know, simple little things, right? And mm-hmm. they can carry us so far. Um, would you prefer to be traditionally published or are, you know, would you do the uh, self-publishing? At this point, definitely traditionally published mm-hmm. um, for two reasons. One is time and energy. I don't have the time and energy to dedicate <laughs> to self-publishing. <laughs> yeah, well, it's that whole parent work and husband uh, yeah. Wife thing, right? Yeah, like I said, like one hour a day to do this all. So, um, yeah, that's uh, just not something that's in my capacity right now. But I think how do you capacity. how do you fit yoga into that? Oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> do I fit yoga in? I just snorted. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Wonderful. Um, yeah. So yeah, you one day prefer to because well, it does everything for you pretty much, right? Except uh, writing. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and you know, it's it's hard to get, and it's not other than like some individual poems. It's not something I have gotten, mm-hmm. um, but um but yeah and also the other thing is I'm still learning like I'm still like a relatively novice to this whole world and um and people who are like who do traditional publishing they know a lot they know a lot about oh this would be better like this this or move like this and and I think at this point in my career I can really benefit from um from that guidance whatever is given um but I love that people like Stephen King and and uh, I really hope I say her name right, Rupi Kaur and all these people. I love that they do self-publishing. I think that's phenomenal. And I think that's really inspiring for like, you know, <laughs> for anyone who has the time. <laughs> um, you know, yeah, traditional publishing. Um, you know, one day I might, I might look at that, but I'm quite yeah. content to, you know, being in full control. <clears throat> um, yeah. And that's, and, and that's right. That's a huge benefit too. Well, yeah. Um, you know, 
Uh, I was interviewing somebody for season two. She's a, a, a romance novelist. And she was going through a certain publisher and they want, well, no, you need to change this character because we don't like mm. him and blah, blah, blah. And then my question was, is, is, is when does this book stop being yours? Yeah, that's a fair question. You know, and like you can be comfortable with other people doing that or, I mean, this is me. This is what I wrote. This is what it's meant to be. Yeah. And depending on the stand you take on that, right? Yeah, absolutely. What stand would you take? Well, it's <laughs> a good question. I mean, so far, I haven't really had that. So far, people have either said, um, yes, we take your poetry. No, we don't take your poetry. Um, or make these small adjustments. Like, here, this word doesn't really make sense here. And so far, it's been very minimal. Um, but, you know, I think it depends on substance. And and I don't, this is going to sound this might sound terrible to people who do rely on writing for their income, but I don't have a lot of skin in the game. So it's not like I need to sell books to live. Like I write because I, I want to and I enjoy it and I get I get fulfillment out of it. But I think it's very different if your job is if your job is to sell books, yeah. right? And um, so I, I if someone wanted to dramatically change my poetry in a way I didn't like, I would just be like, oh, thank you. Goodbye. Walking away. Do you dream of replacing your lawyer job with a writing job? I don't think so. No, I don't think so. Okay. Ask me that in 10 years and maybe I'll change my answer, but I'll hold um, you to that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I like, I think I really enjoy writing because it can be low stakes. It doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be my income. Right. And so you get a, there's like more, I don't know if I'm, Anytime I start feeling stressed by it or like it's not fun, I just walk away. Like, I don't have to do this. Um, That's good. That's good. Because some people feel so tied to it. Yeah. Or, you know, it's, uh, yeah, no, don't let it control you. You control it. Yeah. So, uh, but at my, uh, I was recently visiting some family and one of my, one of my uncles said, oh, you think about like, you know, there's a poet laureate here. Do you want to like quit your job? And, you know, you could be a poet laureate. And I laughed. I was like, I'm a, like, I'm a lawyer. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to quit my job to be a poet laureate unless <laughs> things dramatically change. Like it's, just, you know, like you have to, you have, you have to have an income and live. So unless, unless I win the lottery, it's going to be what I do. Well, right now it's what, 56 million or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can, I can or you could, uh, you could uh, try the, uh, the Shea 106 snowsuit uh, 50. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. It's over $310,000 now. Take home. Then I do some self-publishing. There you go. (laughs) There you go, Shay. Free advertising. Uh, (laughs) Love you guys. Um, So uh, thanks for your great sense of humor, by the way. Uh, You make this so much easier for me. Um, So you were asked to pick seven questions, and you pick seven questions, and, and we've had... Uh, our seven questions and some good mm-hmm. conversation. But what you didn't know is there's a mysterious eighth question Ooh. that you could not prepare for. No. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. I'm going to challenge you here. <clears throat> How do you think the Canadian literary community supports and promotes poets? Um. <laughs> I think CBC does a huge, a huge role. I don't know how many people who aren't writers read CBC and like the Canada Reads and all of that. I'm not sure how popular that is, but like with their contests and, and like, I think today is the close of like the RBC, um, hopefully I get this right, Bronwyn Wallace prize, but there's a lot of kind of national things I get with some amount of press. Um, so I think that's a really good thing. Um, but it's a rel- for poetry in particular, I find it's a relatively insular community. And there's, and uh, I, I think, I think the community itself is relatively supportive, but um, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, don't be mad at me. <laughs> it won't. It's okay. No, it's good to have questions you're not prepared for. Um, I, I think. Canada is like a relatively small place. I often say no one in Canada is more than three degrees of separation from anyone else. Um, 
And Forget Kevin Bacon and his six degrees. Yeah, yeah. He just needs to come to to Canada. It's three degrees here. Um, <laughs> maybe four in some places, but, but or negative twenty. But anyway. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you know how many times I've been in a random city I don't live in and don't think I know someone in, and I run into someone I know. Oh, like, really? Small towns, big cities. It doesn't matter. It has happened to me. <clears throat> repeatedly within Canada. I'm like, oh, then no, you're here right now. Um, <laughs> or you, or you, or you run into, you start chatting with someone and say something about your life and they say, oh, do you know so-and-so? And you say, yeah, actually I do know so-and-so. Um, so I think with that in mind, the Canadian community is relatively small. And I think a lot of, like I mentioned CBC, but a lot of kind of big things in Canada like to promote its writers. Um, um, and however much support or uplifting you think they get out of that is one thing, but I, I, I think Canadians like Canadians mostly. Okay, good enough. Um, do you have any advice for a for aspiring poets in Canada? Um, just do it. This is just not an it. advertisement for Nike. <laughs> it's not. Just write it. How about there? I'll move away from Nike. There we just go. write it. Um, yeah, just write it. It doesn't doesn't have to be good. Yeah, and you know what? The only way to get better is to keep writing. Yeah. And if you don't write it, well, you, you don't give yourself that opportunity. Is to write it and to read. I think reading and continuing to read is really important in writing. Um, I understand what you're saying, but I will disagree because I don't okay. read a lot of poetry. I don't, oh, do you don't have to read. You don't have to read poetry. Okay. Like not necessarily reading poetry, but just read what people write because I find you listen, you you hear what how people phrase things and and um, yeah yeah I, I just find reading is so critical to my writing because I get <laughs> I get so much inspiration even like not reading poetry just reading. Yeah. Uh, for myself, I I don't read Braille because uh, as a diabetic I. You know, my fingers are all mm. no feeling yeah. or whatever. So I, I have to listen to books or. Still reading. I, Still counts. Yeah, I guess it does. Um, all right. We're going to, we're going to mosey along to part two, which I call shameless plugging. Okay. And um, so the first question is what book uh, do you currently have available? Which I think you don't have one yet, but we're working towards it, right? Yeah, and I do have a lot of books, or sorry, I have a lot of poems featured in books. Okay, so um, why don't you give us those and where we can find them? All right, so um, there's Flow Lit Magazine, issue two, um, which you can find on Flow Lit Magazine's website. Um, that's a magazine, not a book. But And then there's um, Free Verse Revolution Literary, um, which just came out, their, their issue, Guinevere. And I'm also going to be out in their anthology, Truth Tellers. Um, and then there's others, but I'll leave it for those for now. And then coming up this this year, I'm not sure exactly timelines, but I'll be in Off-Topic Publishing's chapbook, Exhaustion. And I will also be in ARC Poetry Magazine's 100th issue. Oh, nice. So, yeah, I'm very excited about that. So, so those are places where you can find my work and, and support those small presses. Now, off topic, uh, did that not start by somebody or uh, within Canada Rights? Oh, I don't know. I might have been where she started. Um, Marion, I, I don't know if it's Lowheat. I would say I don't know if it's Lowheat or Lafayette, but um, yeah, I think she I think she puts forth great stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I've been tempted to enter, but uh, I'm, I'm, you know, kind of shy. <laughs> I I um I entered one of the contests and obviously didn't win but I shouldn't say obviously but I didn't win um but she did take one of my poems for exhaustion which was fantastic hmm. yeah I've had some uh, at length conversations with her behind the scenes and stuff like that and um yeah no what she's doing there is, is just fantastic yeah so there's a free plug for you Marion <laughs> are you currently um are you currently working on anything and if so, how close to completion is it? Um, I'm not working on anything in particular. So nowhere close to completion because it's nothing to complete. But I am working on, uh, like I said, kind of 
figuring out kind of narratives to build. Like, how do I turn all these poems into some sort of cohesive book or chapbook? And how does that look like? So I think that's kind of where I'm where I'm at. Um, yeah, I've been focusing less on writing new poems and more on taking what I have and turning it into some sort of body of work. Okay, that's fair enough. Um, if you if you were to put a number on it or take a guess on mm-hmm. it, how many poems would you say you've written in your lifetime? Oh, I don't know. Uh, hundreds? Hundreds? Yeah, maybe like 200, 300 something. Yeah, no, I, I'm just curious about it because uh, some people can just bang them out and some people, you know, like, like you said, perfect it. Yeah, I mean, I will say very few of those poems are perfected, um, but I write a lot. Yeah. And then whether whether that hap- anything happens to that poem or it's just garbage. Like so you're you're probably like every other writer slash poet. <laughs> um, yeah. You have a, a huge unfinished folder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I actually I I write a lot of my poetry. I I write some poetry written down, but I write a lot of it in Google Docs. So if I like have an idea, I just <clears> open up my phone and scribble it down, and then continue on with what I'm doing, oh, and then sense. try to come back to it later. And do you ever get back to it? Yeah, sometimes between nine and ten p.m. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just find that funny. <laughs> That's true. I mean, like a lot of times, scribble things down and then you know turns into something or not. But yeah, I just opened up a document yesterday, and there's three different poems on the same page on the same document that had no connection to each other. And I didn't know where to go with either one of them. There you go. And I've got, yeah, I've got probably, I could probably publish two books from all my unfinished poetry. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh man, when I die, somebody's going to be mad at me. (laughs) (laughs) Or very happy. Um, Either way. (laughs) Um, If you had to choose one of your poems uh, mm-hmm. as your favorite, which one would it be? Um, I think it's a tie. I know I know. you could ask my favorites and I'm like, I have multiple favorites, but I think it's a tie between um, On Samson by Regina Spector, which I read, and Astronaut Suit, which is, which I'll read. I think you're not, if you ask me to read another one, I'll read that one. Um, oh, I probably will. Okay. <laughs> I think those are my favorites. Um, and why is I, that? They have been really edited close, like, I think really well. They've been edited to a point where I really like them. And um, and I think they're they're kind of neat and tight. I love the way the words sound in them. Like, I love the word flows. So those are, those are some of my personal favorites of my own poems. Excellent. Um, where can people connect with you? Facebook, uh, email, snail mail. TikTok, if you're brave, Instagram, <laughs> there are so many TikTok. different other Where can people connect with you? Um, the best way to connect with me is on Instagram. At, and uh, at what? What's, what's your, give all your Jen, handles. Jen Cox Poetry, J-E-N-C-O-X Poetry. Um, that's the best place to find me. Instagram. Instagram, yeah. No website? Uh, no website, not at this point. Maybe, not- maybe soon. Okay, and no uh, Facebook author page or anything like that. No, not right now. I, 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 I have thought mostly about Twitter, but I don't. Twitter's too much for me. <laughs> I'm leaving it to Instagram for now. I interviewed somebody for season two, a really wonderful lady, and uh, she. We we both agreed that TikTok is just not within our uh, wheelhouse, and yeah. but she said that. She's got a, a preteen son, and she's hiring one of his friends to do her TikTok oh, for her. Yeah, I bet. Hey, I, and you're creating work, and you're getting yourself out there. Yep. Um, <laughs> I I saw this meme has come meme has come up repeatedly on my Instagram, but it, it says something like, um, "I don't do TikTok. I see my TikToks a month later on Instagram, like like people should." Um, <laughs> and that's. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I, for now, just Instagram. We'll see if, uh, what happens later, but for now, just Instagram. Well, the problem with me and TikTok is that my, my attention span is longer than what TikTok allows. Oh, 
<laughs> so you want more? You want you want deeper content? I do. I do. Uh, sometimes I get so deep, I scare myself. <laughs> <laughs> Can you share uh, one final poem with us? Yeah, I will. All right. Um, All right, so this is called Astronaut Suit. When I was ventilated, which is to say when a machine and tubes held the balance of how I would leave the ICU, alive or otherwise, I stepped out of my corporeal self, stood up in the sterile room, reality warped by relativity, white curtains and yellow gowns, took off my pregnancy body, peeled it from the top down like an astronaut from a spacesuit, belly bulging, legs still upright, my new skin exposed, a costume change for new frontiers. I pushed my old skin to the corner of the IC universe, stepped back into my body, my mother earth, back into the ventilated vessel and felt reality warp back, expose the make-believe, reveal the tubes down my throat were the only thing holding it together. Elmer's glue on the solar system school project patched together as something that just might pass. Skin too large and stars, or was it fluorescent lighting? Too bright, sterilizing the empty space. I close my eyes and take faith. The doctors know how to fly this damn thing. And that was published in uh, Open Minds Quarterly last year. So what was the inspiration behind that? Um, when I was ventilated. Okay. Yeah, when I had a, I had a medical emergency and, um, and was ventilated. And how long after that emergency did this poem develop? Uh, a few years. Okay. A few years, yeah. So you had time to think about it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but like, I think with any medical emergency, like, it's this, like, warping of reality. So that's kind of, that's where I took it. Twelve years ago, I was uh, hospitalized after a near-death experience. Uh, my health got really, really bad. Mm. And... uh yeah, I, that woke me up to a, a lot of things. And, and that's actually when uh, the desire to be published uh, returned after 30 odd years uh, of life and whatever getting in the way. Yeah. And then four months later, after I set the task on it, I, I lost my vision. <laughs> <gasps> Whoa. Yeah, no, it was, uh, but you know what? I, I'm, uh, I haven't let it slow me down. Ten books later, uh, I yeah, blend spices. I, I mix hot sauces. Uh, I, um, I've i got two different podcasts. I've got one, this one here and a, a faith-based one. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I'm not letting my disability determine what I can and can't do. Yeah, absolutely. And Aldous, have you ever read anything by Aldous Huxley? Aldous Huxley? Brave New World? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes, he was blind. He um. He, I don't, I don't know if you know this or not, but he was a scientist and he went blind. And so he turned to science fiction writing. I, well, you know what? Um, <laughs> I've thought about, uh, yeah, no, I, I've been predominantly a poet all my life and now I'm branching mm-hmm. out into other things and yeah. trying my hand at it. And uh, who knows one day, maybe I'll put out a book of short stories or anything. I actually have enough material for a short story uh, collection. Uh, awesome. um, it's called in not so many words, short stories under 2000 words. That's great. <laughs> I love that. I'm good with making titles. It's everything else, the follow-up, I suck. <laughs> yeah. It, one thing I always struggle with is finishing poems, like having that finishing line. It's always hard. Well, the, and yeah, you know, it's like, it's like having that perfect opening line for a, a novel, right? To, mm-hmm. to hook them in and, yeah, um, I think it's a, a certain skill set that uh, that just comes to you eventually. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> um, in closing, yeah. what would you tell anyone who might be too afraid to take the, the, the chance on being published, either traditionally or self? Um. Just this earlier, but, but but just do it. Um, you know, I think letting go of of uh, the idea that Harper Collins is going to publish your book. Mm. Um, and there's a million small publishers who will champion your work and be so excited for it. Um, and if they don't, then there's always self publishing. Like there, you know, 
people want to read stuff and as long as it gets to them, they don't really care where it came from. Well, self-publishing is also getting more widely accepted as a, mm -hmm. a legitimate uh, way of being published. Yeah. There, there was always that stigma with self-publishing, but yeah. now it's, I think it's, it's gone mainstream and, and people are more willing to accept it as, you know, you can call yourself a published author. Yeah. And, and I think I, one of the things I've, I've watched when, as I see people self-publish books is marketing can be one of the biggest issues, but like I've recently purchased two self-published books, like just in the past few months. And, and one was a, a chapbook. Um, that someone had just posted at their local grocery store. And I was like, excellent. Yeah. I was like, I want to support that. Like I'll read a local author's book. And another was at a farmer's market. Yeah. And he was just there selling his book. And I was like, great. Yeah. Give me that. I don't, I'm so happy to give you $20 to read your book. <laughs> like that's, um, and so, more and more people are, are, are willing to do that. Yeah. I, and, and <laughs> I mean, I, this might sound really nerdy of me, but I love supporting it. I love like seeing people out there pushing their books and being like, yes, that's great. Yeah. Um, um, <clears throat> one of the things that I do um, with people that I interview um, is that if they have a book, mm -hmm. um, I ask them if they'd be willing to donate a copy of their book to my local library. And they just love the idea. And my library is quickly growing with a lot of books from a lot of different genres from the people that I've interviewed. And it, it, it gets them out there. It loads up my library. <laughs> yeah, that's great. And, you know, anybody from across the country uh, can, can, you know, from Ottawa to Victoria can go, hey, look, that book's in Trochu, Alberta. I can ask for it and it will send it out to you. That's great. And, and yeah. so, I mean, one of, the, uh, one of the authors that I interviewed, she sent up seven of her 23 books. And I told her I would take a picture of her book's on the bookshelf when they got there. Well, mm -hmm. we haven't had them in our library because they're being taken out from oh, all across the country. That's great. And it is. And, and that's just, for me, that's my way of supporting yeah. those that I interview. And when you get one published, we'll revisit another. <laughs> Thank you. And we'll do the same thing. Yeah. Uh, and you reminded me of another plug that I do for local, for any author I, I come across who, really deserves more support is I suggest their book for purchase from my local library. So like the Ottawa public library lets everyone suggest three books a month for purchase and, and they don't purchase them all. And some, and I've often gotten back saying this one, we can't get for blah, 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 but they also purchase some of them. Um, so I don't know if every library does that, but the Ottawa public library, if you, if you are a member, lets you purchase, lets you suggest three books for purchase a month. Hmm. I uh, I reached out to my high school where I mm -hmm. first was inspired to start writing poetry as a as a result of my teacher saying, "Okay, this section of the the curriculum we're going to be writing poetry." And of course, you know, oh no. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I recently contacted my the, that school, and uh, uh, I tried to connect with the library manager within, and he was also the head of the English department. And I said, I'd like to donate a copy of each of my books for your library. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't take them. Oh, interesting. What's up with did, that? I don't know. What did they say? Why? No. It's weird. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. I mean, the, the, my, my reasoning was, is listen, this is where I got inspired to do this. Yeah. And I want to be able to let people know that, you know what, you can follow a dream. Yeah. And uh, our, my local, school here in town we're k to k to 12 our grade four english teacher she's picked up a couple of my books and she reads them to her class every year oh that's really nice because we are a small town and she wants to let people know it's okay to dream because dreams do mm -hmm. come true yeah and you know what i i i don't understand why the school didn't and whatever but yeah. I'll edit this out later anyway. Um, <laughs> but it, it's crazy. But Jen, thank you so much for agreeing to come on to uh, Between the Lines. It's been fun. It's been informative. And uh, I, I hope you enjoyed yourself. Thank you. I did. Thanks for interviewing me. Thanks for letting me talk about myself and my poetry for an hour. And um, I... Has it been an hour? It has been an hour. That would make sense because <laughs> I, I smell my roast cooking. <laughs> 
<laughs> but no, seriously, thank you so much and um, good luck in the future. Thank and you. Um, yeah, just uh, keep writing. Thank you. And if I ever publish a book, I will send you a copy for your library. Oh, wonderful. If you ever publish a book, we'll get you back on the show if we're still going. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, thank you very much and have yourself a good rest of the afternoon. Or Thanks, day. you too. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Between the Lines. We hope you enjoyed our discussion and were inspired to either start writing or to keep on writing. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions for future episodes or guests, you can reach out to us by sending an email to randy.btlpodcast at gmail.com use comment or suggestion in the subject line. For a copy of the transcript of this or any other episode, just send us an email using transcript as the subject line and indicate which season and episode you would like a transcript for. Visit my website, therandylacy.ca, where you can purchase one of my books, read my blog, and yes, even hear every episode of this podcast. If you have enjoyed what you've heard and would like to hear more, click the Buy Me a Coffee button at the top right corner of the page to help cover the costs associated with keeping this show available to you. If you're ever feeling overwhelmed by the many lines in your life, take a deep breath and remember the wise words of Winnie the Pooh. Sometimes the smallest things take up the most room in your heart. Until next time, keep on keeping between the lines.